KXNO. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Wednesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM, we welcome you to the program as we talk sports with you for the next couple of hours. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here this morning, very timely, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is going to slide in. He's their college football uh, columnist. He will join us at 1025. He's also doing the XFL, covering that for the sporting news. We'll do a little bit on that. More so the rules, uh, at least at this point, of the XFL's existence uh, have my attention as opposed to the teams who just don't know them and certainly going to give it a try and uh, try to get to know them a little better as the weeks go on see if we can maintain interest uh, like the rest of the country. We'll see. Uh, but Bill Bender, on college football in particular, Mel Tucker uh, bidding adieu after saying he's uh, in uh, Boulder for the long run. Uh, there's no transfer portal in life. <laughs> I think he re- probably regrets those ones and would like to have that back. He's off to Michigan State where he doubles his salary, and I don't blame him. Uh, do you? No, not at all. <laughs> he goes from 2.9 to... Six or five point eight, something ridiculous. Anyways, but I mean, he's making three million dollars a year more. How do you say no? I was up late last night, so I saw the news as it was breaking. From so Bruce what Feldman. time did it break? Little after midnight, uh-huh. I think it was. I was working on our script for our TV show that we're recording today. As you Where saw the that email, air? oh, you can see that on MediaCom oh. MC twenty two Thursday evenings, Friday evenings, and Saturday morning. Getting you ready for your gambling world. Inside the numbers is the name of the program. And uh, I'm trying to bounce back after an awful, awful weekend. Yeah, and you haven't been doing well on the radio program either. But you know what? Today is another day. And there's plenty of games to fire at, and I will do that coming up at about 11.55. Good stuff. Look forward to that. So the news broke just after midnight. And look, he turned them down. They gave him the full court press. And... He's on Saban's staff out there. Yeah, look, again, look, I feel bad for the athletes that just signed mm-hmm. to go to the University of Colorado. It's a wonderful inst- – I didn't go there. Uh, so I guess I don't know about uh, the academic portion of it. I, as I've said many times, I don't know how you get a kid to Boulder. And that kid says, no, this place isn't for me. <laughs> Trent, it's, it's spectacular. We were talking before the program today. I, th- I don't know if it was a 30 for 30, but it was something in that ilk about Colorado football and Bill McCartney mm-hmm. and how he built the program and bringing the California and L.A. kids in. That's how he did it. And it was that kind of thing. Now, you have to find the right kid. There's some kids that go out there and say, especially you grew up in L.A., this isn't for me. Yeah. But you find the right kids that'll do that, that are willing to make the long sojourn out to Boulder and be able to do that. And the family is going to be You're a long ways away. You're telling me teenagers don't look at the mountains and the snow. Not all of and them. And go, wow, what a beautiful. <laughs> you grow, if you grow up in Winnipeg, yeah, maybe sure. So. Maybe that had a lot to do with you it. You grow up in Los Angeles, different yeah. kind of conversation. So I went from Winnipeg to Altoona, Iowa to Denver, Colorado. Yeah, okay, maybe you're on to something there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> If you grew up in a different part of the country, those mountains, that snow uh, can paint a different kind of picture. But Mel Tucker had been doing a great job at Colorado, recruiting at a really high level, at least where Colorado had been historically. And those kids got to be let out of their commitments by the end of the day at the very latest. You know, this is something I haven't seen talked about a whole lot, but as we've seen the change in what high school recruits do, so many of them enroll early. And for the kids that did that at Michigan State, Mm -hmm. for the kids that did that at Colorado, 
They're already on campus. Yes. They're already going through classes. Their eligibility clock, if you will, is already starting. Mm-hmm. And with it, is there a way that the NCAA That's can figure out? Point. Because these kids are locked in. Mm-hmm. And they're there. A new staff comes in that could be doing things completely different. I mean, you think about, especially offensively, how difficult that can be. You're you're an offensive lineman. You're recruited for a road grading style, and that's what you're going to do. And all of a sudden, not oh, sorry, we're going to the spread. Mm. Or wide receiver, running back, whatever it may be. For those offensive players, and especially quarterback, of course, and, and the different systems that are there, is there some kind of out that the NCAA can put together for these guys that are already on campus? They'd have to transfer. They'd have to sit out a year. They'd burn a year of eligibility, all these different things, because they wanted to get started. They wanted to go through spring practice and forego their last it's year. It's an of excellent school. point, Trent. And it's one I never thought of, quite frankly. I just thought about the kids that will join in the fall, mm-hmm. right? But you're hundred percent right. Every school's got those early enrollees now, and uh, do they need a, um, a a way to get out of it? And I agree with you; they should. So, Bill uh, Bill Bender's going to join us in about twenty minutes. Kevin Lehman in his weekly spot, Washer Systems of Iowa presents all of our uh, Missouri Valley Conference coverage this entire season. We'll go around the valley uh, with Kevin. He did Drake Iowa uh, U and I uh, this past Saturday. Both both schools in action. Uh, you and I is at the McLeod Center. The dogs are on the road. They're down in Springfield taking on the Bears, a Missouri State team that has been as inconsistent, mm-hmm. consistently were inconsistent. Were they picked second? They are picked first. They were picked before. They were the favorite. Wow. So Gino Ford brought in a ton of new guys, transfers, all kinds of different people, and it just hasn't clicked for them. You see it in spurts where, oh, I can see why this team was picked first, because mm-hmm. they do have a lot of talent. But as a basketball team, it has not worked out very well for most state. This one certainly could go either way. This this is a winnable road game for Drake, and what it's about for them, staying in the top six. That's the most important thing. Stay in the top six so you don't have to play opening night down in, in St. Louis. Uh, the Panthers will be at home. Both games are at 7, and both games, uh, Illinois State uh, is uh, sharing the floor at the McLeod Center tonight. Both games are ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, the uh, if you're looking Fox Sports Midwest or NBC Sports Chicago that has a lot of the MVC games tonight, their game of the week, if you will, is Bradley, as uh, they'll be hosting Indiana State. So that'll be the one there. No television coverage, but... If you got the app, you're good to go. Indeed. ESPN Plus for both of them. Uh, and uh, the color analyst for Indiana State, Bradley, will join us at 11 o'clock yes, this morning. Yes, he will. That's David Kaplan from Chicago. He's brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. Cappy's got that game tonight. Uh, he's headed to spring training on March the 2nd. And looking forward to catching up with Cap when he's uh, in Chicago. We taped Cappy. We finished taping Cappy about, well, just minutes before he went on the air in Chicago at 9 o'clock. So we'll air that right at 11 or... 1102, 1103, but Cappy in that first block in the 11 o'clock hour. And then John Bowenkamp from uh, Sports Illustrated, the Maven, uh, will join us. We'll talk, we'll talk Hawks, but we'll talk a lot of Big Ten because once again, and I know that, you know, Cyclone fans, Big 12 fans are sick of us saying this. Trent, I, I can't, I can't recall this conference being more entertaining. I'm talking about the Big Ten. Yeah. Uh, then it's, it's seemingly night after night after night. And there were three games last night and, all three of them, even uh, Penn State, Purdue, that looked as though it was going to be a blowout. Is Penn State? My God, they had ten threes in the first half, and they did so without Lamar Stevens, who was on the bench with foul trouble uh, for about ten or eleven minutes of the first half. Boy, I love those five thirty tips. By the way, I know you do. Oh, they're really good. But anyways, uh, Penn State, Purdue got close at the end. Nebraska had him on the rope. Cam Mack had a. I thought he was going in to lay in the ball to take the lead with three seconds left in the game. When he was going in there, when he made that first move, and it looked like, 
right, what's he gonna? He's gonna hang back here and fire up a contested three, mm-hmm. and then he just turned on the Jets oh. and had that little move and got in the lane. I was right there with you, but Jalen Smith had other ideas. Trent, oh man, he is a man. Yes, he is. He, he is, is a big. Did you see dude. some guy? Ravel put this on his Twitter feed. Uh, Darren Ravel, he's uh, Action Network. He's really heavy into the sports wagering now. And, you know, it's it's an it's an industry, like it or not. A lot of guys have gone that way. Uh, he mentioned that somebody at one of the properties, I don't know which one it was, bet thirty thousand dollars on Maryland to win a grand. You think? How do you think he was enjoying the final few minutes of that game? Thirty thousand staked. He was going to win a thousand dollars, folks. You never bet a lot to make a little. If you take one thing away from this radio program, sports wagering advice, listen to me on this one: never bet a lot to make a little because you will lose in the long run. If you get beat once, I mean, think about it. The guy would have to win another thirty games. Thirty in a of row. those kind of games where to, to break even. That was what an eighteen and a half point spread, something like that. It was a huge number. You have to win thirty straight of those, or one goes the wrong way, and it almost happened last night. And we see this in college basketball. Right. It doesn't matter the sport. We see these kind of upsets happen. It seemed impossible. Nebraska played really well. They were right there. They did play really well. And then the nightcap was as good as you're going to find. Illinois gets down early. Oh, here comes Michigan State. Down early? They were getting pasted early. It was 20 in the first half, Uh and you saw the tweets. I saw the tweets. Here comes Izzo. He's got it figured out. Izzo late in the year. Here they come. That second half, Illinois came right back, Mm -hmm. got the lead. Now, as bad as it's been gambling-wise for me lately, I did something last night that uh, I've tried to do a little bit more for games. In-game? In-game wagering. So right as Illinois took the lead, Michigan State was plus 140 on the William Hill app. There was, what, two minutes, I think, yeah, left in the game, some, something some like change, that. I think, yeah. Michigan State came back, got the lead themselves. It went all the way back to plus 240 on Illinois. So I had both sides of it, mm-hmm. regardless of who won. You were going to win. I carved out a way to small do it. Profit, but small yeah, profit, absolutely. but you just keep building that bankroll that way. It's a lot of fun to do that. I had a middle opportunity in the Iowa-Nebraska game over the weekend, right before Nebraska came back in that eight-minute scoring drought. It's a different way to do things. Mm-hmm. It's a fun way. You're not going to make a ton unless you're betting a ton, of course, doing that. But if you can find that wiggle room in there and get a middle or get both sides on the money line, you know you're an automatic winner. Or in your sake, it. you just had to stop a losing streak uh, in anything, right? It, yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm not, I'm not Rhode Island last night, they were down 23-5 to five before, I mean, before the first TV timeout. They're getting ran out of the gym. By Dayton. Not seeing it well, but we'll try again tonight. Of course you will. Why wouldn't you? They're going to sing the anthem somewhere, and uh, as, as Kenny White, our buddy Kenny White says. But the, the end of the basketball game, DeSomu, uh, mm. Trent, that was, I, I hope he's okay. And there's there's been nothing from the university. They're going to know more, maybe during our show here today, if you missed it. Um, he's he's got the ball in his hand. They're down one, and he's such a good player. He is such a good player. Had seventeen, and that's the guy you want with his ball with the ball in his hand. By the way, Kofi Coburn, um, he needs to come back to college another year. He does not get the defensive end of the floor yeah. at all. He was late that that oh, one uh, time after time. That I mean, rotation, he was that he was nowhere, nowhere, and had no found. clue where he's supposed yes. to get. And Dockett, who did the game last night, I know he takes a lot of arrows, as he should. Yeah, okay. But he also he also points some things out that you might miss. Absolutely. Yeah. And I and I appreciate that about him and uh but Kofi Coburn, I mean he's he's a wonderful talent. He's still learning the game and I think he's gonna be a you know, he's gonna be a really good pro once he gets there, but boy, he's got some work to do. But back to Desonu. Um help me out with his name. Dosomu, Dosonamu Dosumu. Dosumu. Um, Io. 
There you go. Has the ball in his hands. He is darting to the basket when his left leg just gave out. I wondered if there was a wet spot on the floor. It sure looked like he slipped, didn't it? That's what it looked like there. And then he goes and he's holding his knee and his mm-hmm. ankle. And, and he was carried off. He was. He was helped off no the floor No pressure there. on that left leg at all as he was as he was carried back into the locker room. That was a tough scene there. And it really uh-huh. felt like he was going to get to the rim and he was going to score as he was making it before he slipped, fell, turned his ankle, whatever it was, and happened on that play. Xavier Tillman, though, was a man, had the put-back mm-hmm. dunk. If Xavier Tillman plays like that, and that's really, that's the secret of Michigan State and the struggles they've had over the last few weeks. Xavier, Simpson, or Xavier Tillman, excuse me, has not been playing well. Without mm-hmm. Tillman out there, when it's just Cassius Winston's, Winston trying to do his thing. Well, Rocket Watts had a big game last night. He needed to. He can score. Yep. I don't know how much else he yeah, adds true. to it, but he he's a volume guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Microwave Johnson there. He's Vinny Mi- Microwave Johnson. He comes in and... He is firing from the get-go. His name's Rocket. Love it. Uh, speaking of scary incidents, and I know that very few of you probably saw this unless you're on Twitter. Did you see what happened uh, out in Anaheim last night with the Blues and the Ducks? I did. So help me out here. So I saw Jay the Boomeister, highlight on Yeah, it. Jay Bomeister has been in the league a long time. He's a defenseman. And he's a really good player. And he had, at one point, the cameras were on him, mm-hmm. and he had a heart attack. Is that what it was? It, that's okay. what they said. It was a car... Uh, uh, a, um, Cardiac issue? Cardiac incident. My mic just broke here. Oh, no. That's not good. Uh, let me get this back. So he had some kind of a, a heart attack during the during play, and you can see him on the bench collapsing. Mm-hmm. And then very quickly, a couple of the Blues players, I mean, they're panicking, right? They don't want to want to call your trainer. Your trainer's going to show up with a towel. No, I'm not killing him. He doesn't right. know yeah. what's going on. Right. But there is medical personnel in all of these arenas. They saved his life. And this isn't the first time. This is not not for him. I mean, it's the first time for him. But there was an incident in Dallas a couple of years ago. There's been a couple of these things, but uh, it's just a scary moment. They postponed the game. I mean, neither neither of the teams, the last thing they wanted to do was play a game. uh, After they saw one of their, um, on the Blues case, one of their own just stretch it off. That was crazy. Yeah. Frightening. It was. I, I saw the highlight of it last night. I saw it first on the bottom line. Uh-huh. I think it was during the Michigan State Illinois game. It was, yep. And uh, saw them talking about it, and the game suspended one, one tie. I think it was something like that. I don't that. even know the score. And then, uh, yeah, watching Sports Center last night, they showed it, and they showed kind of a cutaway, and you can see him literally collapsing mm-hmm. there and going down, and kind of the teammates looking around like, what's uh. what's going on here? Yeah, medical personnel in every arena, and thank God for that because mm-hmm. uh, they they came and they and they sa- literally saved his life. Uh, the other story, and we got Cappy coming up. We'll spend a little bit of time on with, with Cappy uh, on this. Uh, Cappy will join us about eleven o'clock. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. I didn't. I, I, I guess. I mean, could we have done without the Joe Madden? A Theo Epstein kind of back and forth situation. I think I probably could have. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not faulting Theo Epstein. I think once that Madden came out and uh, tried to rewrite history as the way it ended, I think Theo had to say something. But has, shouldn't shouldn't everybody move on, Trent? In a case like this, I mean, did you need to hear that? I didn't. No, it's. A good soldier moving on. Right. And look, look at you. He, he led them to where they'd never been led in over 100 years. Right. He'll never be forgotten in Chicago. But there's all this. This happens all over the place. You remember when, what was it, the Red Sox, when, uh, who was it? Francona, when he left. Mm-hmm. And there was all these negative stories yes, that came out about him afterwards. Yes, I do remember that. Just how ugly that it was and mm-hmm. the end of the era. Why do organizations feel the need for that? I don't know. Do, do fan bases want that? Does it make them feel better 
that their coach is leaving, their manager is leaving, whatever it is, does it paint some kind of positive light? Because every time I see one of these stories, I think the organization is, just looks terrible. Well, then, when then I see Theo those. had to come out and tell his side of the story, right? And I'm mm-hmm. glad that he did. And it was, um, you know. It was a wonderful time. I mean, Cubs fans, you will always have that. I think everybody should have just moved on. All right, let's get Joe, and uh, Joe joins the program. Uh, coming up, we've got Bill Bender. We'll uh, talk more college football with Bill Bender. Joe, welcome to uh, Miller & Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, being a Blues fan last night is a little, bit, a little tough. I bet. Know, J-Bo, J-Bo is one of them. It's the old cliche. Well, he's a nice guy, but Jaybo is the NHL nice guy. They always said, you know, mm-hmm. if you got in a fight with him on the ice, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and you know, the, the, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but last night was also the Blues. Every year do a father's trip. I know it. They were there. Yes. Yeah, and that, and that was the game. And you know, I don't know if adrenaline kicked in, but those benches are anchored to the concrete. And four Blues players literally ripped that bench out of the concrete. Is that I didn't see that part. So just to allow the medical personnel easier access, is that what you mean, Joe? I didn't see that. Yes, they did it so to allow more room. Yeah, they literally ripped that bench out of that anchored concrete. Oh wow! So let me ask you this, Joe. Away from the uh, you know near avoided tragedy, how do you become a Blues fan in Des Moines? Did you grow up there? How do you become a St. Louis Blues fan? I'm glad you are. I wish there were more of you. I mean, hockey fans. Uh, but how do you become a Blues fan? Well, my grandparents are originally from Baldwin, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Cardinals fan. I'm a Blues fan. I was a Rams fan. Actually, we were Cardinal fans before they moved to Phoenix. So I'm all St. Louis. Go Battle Hawks, buddy. But no, that's how I'm a Blues. That's, that's how I'm a Blues fan. It's been a lot of heartbreak years being a Blues fan. But you know what? We're the best in the West right now. This Bo Meister thing irons itself out, and we just keep going. Uh, thanks for the call, Joe. I appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Uh, Jay Bowmeister, said that was uh, that was a little frightening. Uh, Bill Bender coming up. We will talk uh, the Mel Tucker situation with Bill Bender. So who do they go get? Uh, Trent Condon. I think the first phone call has to be Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, great with Colorado. A guy graduated that, there, coached there. He was yes. the offensive coordinator not too many years ago, and done a nice job at Kansas uh-huh. City. Though he's not the full time play caller because of Andy Reid and the way that he runs things there. I think that's the guy that do makes a lot of sense. Do you leave a Super Bowl? Ch- now it's his alma mater. It is. Um, do you leave the Chiefs? We've seen a lot of guys turn down Alamo Honors, too. Uh-huh. He he feels like he has been on the track to becoming an NFL head coach. I thought so, too. In fact, I was. I think that the Chiefs' success probably yeah. prevented him from getting one of those gigs this offseason. No doubt. And he didn't even have the amount of interviews that I anticipated Where did he, he was did going he, Cleveland? To. Did he interview in Cleveland? Sounds right, mm-hmm. yeah. But it wasn't the volume. I thought he'd be four, five, six right. interviews that had been lined up for him, and that wasn't the case. But, yeah, I think that's what he has to weigh now, is the alma mater's going to be there if they make the call, but knowing that there's an NFL job waiting. It's the recruiting life versus the football life. And that's the huge difference between the two leagues. I like, what, what, what about Jim McElwain? He was in, he spent so many years in Fort, uh, Fort Collins at, at Colorado State. Yeah. He knows the area. He was there for a long time, had tremendous success at CSU, went to Florida, was coach of the year. And wasn't he coach of the year in the SEC? I think he was. Was he? I believe he was in his first year. And then what, what happened to him there? I know that there was, 
Well, the shark picture. Oh, the picture with the shark. But it wasn't him. It wasn't him. But he got all pissy about it. Right. right. And then he made something up about death threats for his team. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. And I don't know if that was ever, uh, because I know everybody investigated it, just because that seemed like an outlandish claim. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that was, uh, if if anything ever came of that. But it didn't end well. And now he's at Central Michigan. I think he would might, once the enemy turned them down or if he turns them down mm-hmm. he might be the first call I mean, makes sense mm-hmm. Craig about, Bowl at Wyoming too old probably uh-huh how about going to uh, the guy that Michigan State decided not to go after Brett Bielema now it's outside so of the his Pac-12? Midwest comfort yeah. zone but is he starting to run shorter on time the more mm-hmm. the further removed mm-hmm. that he is from the college game He's now with the Giants as an outside linebacker coach. Giants or Patriots? Did he move on? He did move on, okay. yeah. Yeah, he was with the Patriots the last couple of years as a consultant and now right. outside linebacker coach with the Giants. But I'm sure, well, he was outright campaigning for the Michigan yes, he State was. job. I don't you know think he, I, I don't think he got a it. sniff. And I think he would have been a good fit there. I do too. I really do. I think he's a he, Big Ten guy. He would have ruffled some feathers. He would have had some fun. And as bad as the Arkansas era was for him, it's not nearly as bad as what happened with Chad Morris. <laughs> yeah, you look at what happened after him, and it, it, it did not go well. All right, it's time to pay your bills with iHeartRadio 1460 KXNO and now 106.3 FM. Text the keyword JOCK to 200-200 right now. That's your chance to win $1,000. That's JOCK to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Next, Kevin Lehman brought to us by Washer Systems of Iowa, Missouri Valley Conference. Conference conversation with Kevin Trent and I take you until noon. It's Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and now on 10 for a limited time only. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Fifteen minutes or so, we'll talk Valley basketball and the two in-state teams with Kevin Lehman, color analyst uh, for uh, Hoops. But right now, we get Bill Bender in here from the Sporting News. He joins the program. He's focusing a lot on the uh, XFL, now the college football. Well, it really never ends, does it? No, it it doesn't. Uh, And Bill Bender joins the program. Bill, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on, Bill Bender. The Mel Tucker situation breaks in the wee hours after turning them down. Uh, Michigan State apparently uh, made Mel Tucker an offer that he couldn't refuse, doubled his salary, which is certainly saying something. And I have have no qualms with uh, a guy... um, Again, it doesn't look the best, but at the end of the day, you got to look out for number one. He doubled his salary. Feel bad for the recruits. But Mel Tucker, now the head coach of Michigan State, do you like the fit? Oh, this is 2020, and it reminds me a lesser version of what happened at Tennessee, where a guy, you know, they end up with a guy. There's ugliness along the way. Um, people get hurt. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the money talks, and that's what they did, like you said. So, And, and Michigan State gets a solid hire here, a guy that can recruit. And that's what they've been missing. Um, his recruiting class at Colorado this year was ranked eight spots higher than Michigan State. So that that right there tells you this guy knows what he's doing on that front. And it's going to be a little rocky at first, but I think they'll they'll end up landing on their feet. Bill, a question that I had, I posed this to Ken earlier, and haven't seen anybody, at least on the national media, talking about it very much. 
It is the change in the recruiting cycle and so many kids now enrolling early, going to campus in January, getting that clock started, a chance to go through spring football as they normally be going through their final semester of high school. For these people, these kids at Colorado, the kids at Michigan State, and elsewhere when these changes happen with a coach this late in the process, is there anything that the NCAA can do or has at least talked about doing for the guys that are already enrolled, they're already on campus, and a coaching change happens? Yes, you could. That would be the, those would be the ones I would open it up to. Maybe just that recruiting class, you can maybe open up your recruitment. Now, mm-hmm. that would open up a can of worms, though. I mean, I, I always don't. The hard part about this is you do commit to a school, but you, I think in a lot of cases you do commit to the coach, right. and I'll probably almost all of them. It's developing that relationship, and it whatever the NCAA comes up with, it could be messy either way. But but I think most recruits understand that coach, especially at a program like that, you could understand that he may end up leaving. Um, but but it's really tough for both sides, and that's what makes this so messy. Indeed, it does. So where do they go from here? I mean, Bill, the, the first name out there on everybody's list was Eric Bieniemy, who a lot of folks thought was going to have an NFL head coaching opportunity, and I'm convinced that it's the uh, the chief success that prevented him from uh, from taking one of those openings. He's a Colorado graduate. He's a former offensive coordinator. He clearly knows the lay of the land in CU, but he's a part of a Super Bowl winning team and a team that's got. Patrick Mahomes, right? Um, so, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be torn. I'm sure he's going to get that opportunity to make that decision. How do you think it? How do you think it's going to work out, Bill? I think Colorado has to be careful here, just because if they go all in on him and he ends up staying in the NFL, there's a damage factor there that the next guy would be considered second choice, third choice, fourth choice, and be held up like that. So, yeah, I mean, the enemy's obviously a logical choice. You got to make the phone call. Um, and then if he doesn't say yes, I think you almost look at maybe Darren Cheverini. He's on staff now. Mm. Maybe he can hold that recruiting class together and build off the momentum there. He's also a Colorado grad. That doesn't hurt. So I think those are two guys to watch, and then if they have to go outside of that, you're going to look at the, the usual names, the Blake Anderson, Brian Harzen, um, a couple other coordinators out there in the Pac-12 is where they would probably go look next. What about Jim McElwain, who coached in Fort Collins at Colorado State for a decade, had a lot of success there, didn't work out well for him in Florida. Trent pointed up the picture in the boat. I forgot about that. There was also that scandal where he accused some of his players getting death threats. There was investigations. I don't think they uh, were able to turn anything up and corroborate those claims. But what about McElwain? Does he make sense because of the Colorado State ties and he knows the state? Yeah, they could look there. They could look at even like a Steve Sarkeesian, who – was coached in the Pac-12 twice, and I think for Sarkeesian, a little low-pressure environment in Colorado compared to what he was dealing with at Washington and uh, USC. So I think those are a couple names to file away. What they did with Mel Tucker was smart. They they hired a guy from you know Tucker at Michigan State. What they did was smart. I mean, this is a guy that coached at Alabama and Georgia, two of the most successful programs in college football, and started to take those lessons at Colorado. So I mean, it's not a bad job. It's not the job it was in the '90s ahead McCarthy right. and then New Heisel, but it's still a power five job and and they won the division three years ago they're not that far removed from that success Bill when you uh, look across the landscape Luke Fickle looked to be the guy that they were targeting the most early on 
What does it say about Luke Fickle and the team that he has coming up here in 2020, where them and Memphis very well are going to be preseason, what, probably top 15-ish type teams, and that Cincinnati team has a chance to be really special this year. The team he has coming back, and what job is he waiting for? Well, I mean, obviously something bigger. Um, you know, I think in Michigan State there are limitations to that job, mm-hmm. knowing that in the current state, I mean, the max value Michigan State's playoff team, and and you know, very good under D'Antonio. But right now, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State are all up and running, and that makes that job that much harder. So, I mean, he's primed for a better job. I would make the argument right now that Cincinnati's probably better suited for a New Year's Day six run than Michigan State is, and. Fickle's a large part of that, and, and they've got a good recruiting base and what he's done there. So I, I think with Luke Fickle, it's just continuing to build on what he's already done there, and mm-hmm. if there's a job out there someday, maybe he'll go forward. I mean, that guy started by being an interim coach at Ohio State. You can't get much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is our guest. Bill, I don't know how closely you followed Mark Emmerich and Bullsby. Uh, they were uh, brought before uh, was it the Senate? I think it was the Senate committee yesterday. My Canadian is showing. I apologize. Um, but but nonetheless, it's name, image, and likeness. And the story broke the night before that apparently the pack they're saying the right things, but at the same time, the Pac-12, the Big 12, and apparently, as Dennis Dodd pointed out today, they weren't alone, or the ACC, rather, the Big 12, are writing checks to uh, to Congress, or to, to politicians, um, in order to prevent that name, image, and likeness from maybe gaining the traction that so many believe that it's headed towards. Uh, did you follow that yesterday, and if so, what was your takeaways from it? Oh, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think likeness is a complicated conversation. I don't know if go- the government or the Congress is going to help, but other than to what's happening here, I think it's a power play in terms of you're seeing states that say, well, we don't care what the NCAA does. We're going to do it this way, California. I mean, you know, if they pass that law in Iowa, things would get more interesting because, to me, you're dealing with a Big Ten school and a Big 12 school. And they have, you know, if Iowa can give their players likeness and, Ohio State can't, you know, how much does that tilt the field? So I think that's what they're trying to get a uniformity to it, and that's going to be the hard part with this. But in general, yeah, I mean, let's just do it. Let's let these guys get paid for their likeness. Let's let them go get a commercial if they want, and we'll go from there. And I don't think it would change the landscape that much because right now there's only five schools that can win the whole thing anyway. It's true, and you wrote about that, too. You know, just to your point on Iowa, and just real quick here, Trent, uh, uh, it passed the first it, name, image, and likeness is before uh, our state legislation, and yesterday was the first committee that it was in front of, and it passed unanimously. Uh, wow. the, yeah, Nate Bolton, who's a big part of that, texted me last night that it got out of committee unanimously, so it's moving forward to the next step. NCAA kind of digging their heels one final time. When you fast forward in, say, five years, what does the structure look like in your mind, Bill? Is it the wild, wild west? Does everything settle? I remember the conversation when players were first being given the true cost of attendance. And, you know, at some places like, say, a USC, the actual money that you get in terms of that stipend is a lot higher than you do at a place where the cost of living isn't the same, yet it doesn't feel like that is tilted one way or the other. Is this going to tilt things at all? A little bit. I think in five years we'll eventually have players getting paid for their likeness. I don't know what the stipulations will be, but I think that'll happen. I also think that players will be allowed to transfer one time without um, sitting out. I think that's going to happen within five years. And then the third one is, 
you know, do we get enough changes between the five conferences and everybody else that we're in an eight-team playoff format? I, I don't know. I think that one, strange as it sounds, probably has more hurdles than the other two because, you know, it's one of those things where the NCAA will be involved, everybody. I, I just think you want the one that sticking point I always have is the ACC and SEC would have to play the same number of conference games as the Big Ten, Pac-12, and Big 12. Mm. And until that, that's like the number one earmarker for me. Once everybody's playing the number, same number of games in conference, maybe we got something going. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Bill, last thing for you. Let's switch gears from the college game to the XFL. I know you're busy uh, covering that at SportingNews.com. I watched uh, I watched uh, the Washington game on Saturday and the New York game on Sunday. I'm trying to get into it, Bill. I'm giving it a good chance. Uh, the American Alliance of Football never really did anything for me, and I was gone very quickly afterwards. I'm going to watch another game this weekend, uh, provided Iowa, Iowa State Drake, or you and I aren't on top of it. Um, it was okay. I like some of the rules. I do like the kickoff rule. It's just, you know, we're just not used to those players yet. We're not used to the uniforms. We're not used to the helmets. Uh, but I think that they have to be encouraged. What will week two bring in your mind, Bill? Hopefully more of the same. You know, I like the rules. I like the, I, you know, I was telling somebody the other day what I liked most was like watching Jim Zorn call plays and then trying to guess what they were going to run, you know, just off the language, right. trying to pick up some things there. And they, they had a, they made it user friendly. I'll give them that. And, but like you said, I mean, without the star power, I mean, we tried to talk ourselves into PJ Walker and Cardale Jones and a few others, but the one that the two things that are bad in this league that, you know, eventually show up is the offensive line plays not great. And the running games are, are atrocious and you have to have a running game in football to, to keep things moving. So if that doesn't change, I, I think the product would suffer. The unders are the play. Three out of the four games went under, and the point spreads and totals this week especially certainly have adjusted to that long-term sustainability. We saw good numbers in week one last year from the Alliance of American Football. They dissipated. We saw this with the XFL years ago, and they dissipated very quickly. The staying power here of this XFL, what would make it different in your mind? Um, well, you know, for me, it's always, I, I think they're in some of the wrong markets. I mean, if you look at the TV numbers, I think a Columbus, Ohio team would do well. I think an Iowa City. Didn't you guys have an arena team that did well for years? Yeah, yeah right here in Des Moines. Yep. Barnes, we still do, but the Barnstormers, the one you're talking about, Kurt Warner was the quarterback, yeah. late 90s, turn of the century. Yes, drew well and, and had a lot of success. Yeah, I hit places like that. I mean, Birmingham did well in the AAF. I don't know. I think you're. I get why they have to go to the big market mm-hmm. because the TV dollars. But you know, mix in some markets like that where, I mean, I would totally take my kids over to a XFL Columbus game on a Friday night if we weren't doing anything in February. So I think that's part of it. And then seeing how they can market the stars, quote unquote, stars of the league, if they can actually bring some in, and I think that would help the staying power of what right now if they're just making it an NFL developmental league. Not too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, as you heard on the telecast, Bill, they, and both Saturday and Sunday, I heard both. I'm not sure which games I was, but Landry Jones going to be eligible next week. Okay. So, so that's why I'm going to tune in to watch him. <laughs> that was the star power that they were trying to, you know, to tease us with. Yeah, I mean, that's it. But I mean, like Cardale, he has a yep. following here in Columbus. I mean, that's not bad. And, and Walker, obviously... When you play well, you start to get attention. So, 
you know, that, that'll be the struggle is how do you keep the attention? Because like you said, you were talking about Iowa, Iowa State. Well, with each weekend, we're getting a little bit closer to March Madness. Exactly. That was the same challenge the AAF met. 17,000 people at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, didn't, not, not, not the best visual. Anyways, Bill, we'll watch it this weekend. We'll see if the numbers maintain. Hopefully they bump up a little bit. Uh, I'll be surprised if they do. Bill, thank you as always. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. What are you working on, Bill, at SportingNews.com? Anything you want to tease? Uh, we got the Colorado replacements leading with the enemy. We got the Mel Tucker column up and then, uh, We'll be working on something this afternoon about Kobe and the All-Star game and mm. obviously the the large presence that he will have over that game despite tragically passing away a few weeks ago. And that's going to be a tough one to write. Yeah, no question. Sportingnews.com is where you can read Bill. Bill, thank you. We'll talk to you in the uh, down the road. Appreciate it. Hey, no problem, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bill Bender uh, from the Sporting News. Is, uh, we talk college football and XFL football. What do you think week two? Numbers take a tumble? Oh, yeah. I think so, too. I'll cross the board, so the lowest over-under in week one was 51.5. No, I was talking about the television. You're sick, Condon. Wow. (laughs) That's where my mind is going. (laughs) Because I actually won on the XFL Uh, this weekend. Oh, yeah. It's going to take a step back. So what was it? Was it a 3-3? Yep, 3-3. And Uh, 2-9 for AAF last year. And there was a big jump in week two. Or a big drop. Or a big drop, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be a big drop. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it, it's the likelihood here. It totals. Oh, yeah, those those are already dropping. Uh, we'll come back. We'll talk to Kevin Lehman. Washer Systems of Iowa joins the conversation. Miller and Condon till noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and Owen now on 106.7. Bourbon Whiskey. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We'll lead off the 11 o'clock hour with David Kaplan from Chicago. Uh, Cappy's got the Bradley game tonight. We'll do a well, we'll go around Chicago sports with Cappy. Look forward to that. Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible. And then John Bowen, Cam Trent, and I are going to talk the Big Ten as a night after night, just one game after another, seemingly. Kevin Lehman, Washer Systems of Iowa, sponsors Kevin. He had the Drake UNI game this past Saturday, along with the voice of the Super Bowl champions, Mitch Holtis. Pretty good duo there. How are you, Kevin Lehman? Washer Systems of Iowa sponsors all of our Valley conversation. How's things, Kev? Ken, I'm doing great, and it was a pleasure to work with Mitch Holtis. I get to team up with him at the Valley Tournament. So looking forward to that. It's going to be about ooh, less than three weeks. We're going to tip it off. Indeed. So you'll, I'm sure uh, Mitch will be the MC of the awards banquet that uh, happens on the uh, the day of the of the first uh, of the the play in, if you will, uh, of the seven, eight, nine, and ten seeds uh, dueling on Thursday night. Who's going to get the Larry Bird Trophy? Who's the player of the year in the Valley in your mind right now? Okay, and I think it's got to be A.J. Green based on what he's done and uh, that team's in first place, mm-hmm. his ability to score the basketball. He's made some incredible shots, and he's starting to make it look easy. I- I'm wondering if some NBA scouts have their eyes on A.J. Green. He's a mm. big point guard, six foot four, and-, and certainly the size and the build to go along with it. That shooting ability's come a long way. You know, I was just thinking about the sophomore class as a whole in the Valley this year. Of course, you have the two guys at UNI with Austin Fife and A.J. Green together, but Freeman Liberty from Valpo, that guy can fill it up in a big way. 
Leon Robbins, of course, at Drake, the Having big a guy. Hell of a year. Sophomore class in the future looking very bright for the Missouri Valley Conference. Well, also, um, Trent, the freshman class is pretty good, too. The, you know, the kid, uh, LaRavia at Indiana State, mm-hmm. uh, and freshman year is going to be the young man out of Southern Illinois. Can't think of his name right now, but uh, he's been tearing it up. But if you look down the freshmen, they're really good, too. So I think the the entire future for the Valley really looks good. Well, let's uh, let's uh, let's finish on Drake, you and I. Then I do want to get your take on Southern Illinois because here they come. Uh, don't look now; they're playing exceptionally well. But back to that game, Kevin. Uh, look, Drake lost by ten, but I don't think Drake uh, left. Well, sure, they wanted to win the game, obviously, but I don't think that their fan base came away with thinking, "Oh boy, uh, this this team is you know going the wrong way at the wrong time." I thought they played well. Murphy and Wilkins, Penn had a good game. Uh, you mentioned Robbins, who I love. Sturts uh, didn't take as many shots as he has been. Uh, your impression on Drake after you know being dispatched by the Panthers at the McLeod Center this past Saturday? Well, I like their team. I think they're really well coached. They play extremely hard. And, Ken, in that game, they only had six turnovers. I mean, they really gave themselves a chance to win it. They put Trammell, or Anthony Murphy on green. That bothered green early. That green kind of got going when Sturts came in the Guardian. Uh, Murphy got tired, and the problem that the Bulldogs have is their depth at that five spot because Robbins got tired toward the end. Fife started taking and scoring in the post on Robbins, and when they bring in Pilipovich, the different team, it's kind of mm-hmm. a five-out, zero-in team for the Bulldogs. Their problem is, you know, they've been close on the road, but they haven't been able to to win on the road other than that game at Evansville. I think their game at Missouri State coming up is huge tonight because it also has implications on if they can win that game, it's going to stick Missouri State in that dreaded Thursday night playing game, and it gives the Drake Bulldogs the tiebreaker over the Bears. Uh, Kevin, I want to ask you about Liam Robbins because every time I see him play, I think he gets better. And again, admittedly, I didn't see a lot of uh, a lot of him last year. Now that the ESPN Plus is, uh, you know, in uh, in place in my house, I'm watching a whole more a whole bunch more Valley and I'm better off for it. I really like this kid. I mean, he's seven foot, two thirty five. He's still growing his game. I think again, he's better, way better now than he was back in you know January. Has he got a chance to make a living playing basketball? Seven foot maybe 250 once he matures. Um, I, I think he's got a chance, Kevin. Okay, I, I'm with you. And so is Mitch Holkus. Uh, when he saw him, he was saying the same thing because he gets he gets better every week. Now it's a, can he get stronger because he's got soft hands. He can run, block shots. He's even got some moves around the basket where he's got that half hook. He can hit the mid-range jumper. I've even seen him hit a couple threes. And he's from a basketball family. Now, his uncles are Ed Conroy, who's uh, at Louisiana Tech as an associate coach, and Duffy Conroy, who's an assistant at Minnesota. Both those guys have been head coaches. Uh, and they're his uncles. I've talked to them about him, and uh, they always tell me when I'm broadcasting to be kind to Liam because it's their, their <laughs> nephew. But he's got basketball in his family. It's a great story because the kid didn't play in high school. And Darren DeVries uh, – Great story there because he said no, he had a duck to come in my office door, so I offered him a scholarship. <laughs> Never saw him play in a five-on-five game, Ken. They played like three-on-three three or two-on-two two out there at the Nap Center, and, and Darren said I had 11 scholarships. The dude was seven foot. It wasn't much of a chance. 
Well, they have good pickup certainly there, and one that has turned out incredibly well. Over the weekend, you're going to be uh, moving from the Ohio Valley back to the MVC. You'll be in Chicago with Loyola hosting the Panthers. Certainly mm. looks like the most difficult game remaining on the schedule. Loyola hasn't lost a game in Chicago this year in the MVC play. Lost a non-conference game to Davidson, a really good Davidson squad. But when you look at the matchup there, the first game in Cedar Falls went to overtime. What's it going to take for the Panthers to get another road win? Trent, it's going to be a valley grinded out half court game. Loyola is excellent at slowing teams down. The Panthers want to run. They went from last in the league in scoring last year. Northern Iowa the first this year, but I'm looking for something like a 59-62. Their games have been close. Like the last four games have all been pointers, and so I'm looking for the same thing. Uh, can five score on Cutwig inside, and what can Loyola do to slow down A.J. Green? I just looked at the stats for Northern Iowa. I mean, they got like eight guys shooting over 45%. Mm. They can really hit you from a lot of different ways. You know, is a good example. They get down against Drake, and he steps up and starts knocking shots in. Uh, but it's, it's a tough venue. Gentile Arena in Loyola, it'll be a full house. Already a sellout. Mm, nice. Uh, well, you and I still got to... Do they no? They host Southern Illinois, right? Southern Illinois has got to go there. So, Kevin, I see the Salukis and I see them moving their way through the standings, and they're right on the hills, at the heels rather of the Panthers right now. Is Southern Illinois? I mean, the the, the standings say, of course, they're a threat to pick off the Panthers. Can they? Well, the Panthers have them at home, so if they can get that game, I think they're in good shape. And the young man I was talking about. Marcus Damas will be freshman of the year. He's a, he's like a poor man's Doug McDermott. He hit the game winner against Missouri State over the weekend. And he really killed Drake. Basketball. That's the kid that killed Drake, right? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, he's just a freshman kid. He is really, really talented. And they've kind of done it. Uh, Brian Mullins, like in midseason, he would have got my coach of the year award. Aaron Cook, their point guard, is out with a broken hand. They're going to redshirt him. They moved Lance Jones in there, a freshman. Trent was talking about the great sophomores and Lance Jones and DeMass, two freshmen really contributing for the Salukis. Now you look at you and I, these two games they have come up at Loyola and at Indiana State are big because if you look at the net, there are what they call quad two games, the only quad two games left for the Panthers. Uh, so Southern Illinois coming into the McLeod Center is a quad three game. But you're right, they're nipping right at the Panthers' heels. And you and I, it's not an easy task. They got those two on the road. Then they got to go to Drake at the end of the season. Going to be a good one there, February 29th. We'll finish up here, Kevin. Right in your stopping grounds there in Iowa City. The Hawkeyes go on the road for Indiana. Two road games this week, and it feels like if I was going to stay in the top four and get that double bye, got to find a way to get one of these two this week on the road. I'm with you, Trent. They really have to. At Indiana, they've lost four in a row, and both Indiana and Minnesota are fighting to get off the bubble. Indiana is, you know, last four in, Minnesota's first four out. But then you go to Michigan State, you go to Illinois, and Penn State at home is not going to be an easy one for the Hawkeyes. Nope. They have faded in the past down the stretch. Just to see if they can get some road wins. They're one and five on the road, only beating Northwestern, and they're giving up over 90 points a game on those road losses. Without Cordell Pimsel, shorter bitch, and the Hawks get it done against Indiana. They got to get a win out of one of these two. I'm with you on that one, Trent. 
Kevin Lehman, color analyst, college basketball, brought to us by Washer Systems of Iowa. Kevin, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. All right, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you do the same. Kevin Lehman, talking college basketball. David Kaplan is brought to us by Centurion Stone of Iowa. We will hear from Cappy next. John Bowen, Cap, more Big Ten conversation. Iowa's got the double bias of today in the Big Ten tournament. They Did do, you see the number that? four seed. They still have it. 11 o'clock hour next, 1460 KXNO, and now on 106.3 FM.